about purpose. Purpose. Last week we concluded that if we're able to look at incredibly complex, intricate things made by man, just look around you. That piano is incredibly complex, but we know that it did not just happen by chance, by random accident. We know that there was an intentional purpose and design behind that. If we can look at things all around us that mankind has made and conclude that there has to be a designer to it and there has to be a purpose behind it all, surely we can look at ourselves, look at those things that mankind has not made, look at those things that a divine creator has made and thus see that there is a purpose behind that as well. Listen, there are millions of people and many within our own midst and perhaps some of you here today. You, you may think that you're worthless. You have no purpose and you're looking for purpose. And let me tell you this morning, that is exactly what the evil one wants you to think. He is trying to get you to question all of these things in your mind. And he is trying to get you to question your worth. And why are you even here? Remember that the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar, that he is a thief, and that he is a murderer. And he is trying to do everything he can. We kind of feel safe in this environment don't we? We we feel safe right now in, in this place, but he is trying to do everything he can to take you down, to take me down. And and if he can get you to question your self-worth, if he can get to get you to question why you're even here, then you're just one step closer to turning your back on God. We're continuing in this series, Purpose, Why Am I Here? Why Am I here? Last week we concluded that most people today are asking the wrong question. They're asking the question, what is my purpose in life? But really the correct question that you should be asking and I should be asking is what is God's purpose for my life? Today we're going to begin to look at those answers. As I look around the room today... I am seeing all of you have different talents and abilities. Every single one of you has a talent, has a special ability. Looking at Gary Burrow, and God has given them, him the ability to construct things and put things together. He has that kind of a mind. And the things that he and other guys were able to do, and Willie Miller and were able to do, Al Dilcon and the uh, Navajo Reservation, and help put up the walls and foundation of, of a bath shower house just amazes me how God helps someone. I see Brian back there and what he's able to do with the media and he's able to create incredible things. I look at what Cheryl does with the kids. Cheryl, some people just have a way with kids, you know. Um, we could go all over the room here. You have been given special gifts and talents. But hear me out on this. Knowing what you're good at is not the same as knowing what your purpose is. What do I mean by that? 
Let me say that again. Knowing what you're good at is not the same as knowing what your purpose is. Knowing why you are placed on this earth goes way beyond your individual abilities and talents. You see, God has given all of us different talents, but He wants all of us to have the same purpose. Got that? We all have the different talents and abilities, but he wants all of us to have the same purpose. So for the depressed person that is out there this morning, or maybe this is going to go out to someone on a CD and maybe that's for them. For that depressed person who doesn't know why they're here, you want to know if there's really any reason worth living. I have good news for you. There is a purpose for which you can give your life for. A purpose that every living soul is meant to fulfill. So if you've been coming for the last several weeks and you're saying, Pastor Brock, finally give it to me. Here's our first purpose today. If you want to know why you are here, here's purpose number one. Not necessarily in this order, but purpose number one. You are here to bring joy and pleasure to God. Okay, You are here to bring joy and pleasure to God. Those of us who are parents, we have had those moments, not as often as we like, but we have those moments when our child does something for us just out of their pure love for us. They don't want anything in return, it's just pure love for us. There's been times whenever I need to run down to the store and one of my kids will say, Dad, I'll go with you. And I know that they don't want anything, which is amazing, but I know they don't want anything, but just for the pure purpose of riding with Dad. Those are special times, aren't they? Those are special times. Folks, God is like this. God is like this. The God who created, the God who in the beginning created, try and wrap your mind around this. This God just wants to be with you. Casting Crown sings a song. Um, I forget the title of it. Some of you may know what it is, but there's a line in that song that says, How refreshing to know that you don't need me, but how amazing to know that you want me. How refreshing to know you don't need me. How amazing to know that you want me. This is a verse I've put up before different translation, but you're going to be seeing this a lot because it just so encapsulates what it is I want to get across. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be, to be made holy, whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Yeah, Brian, you're probably hearing my battery. We'll just go until it gives out on me. That's okay. Creating you brought God a pleasure and a joy unlike anything he ever created. No other creature does God delight in like you. 
I don't know what kind of background you've come from. I'm so blessed to have a wonderful heritage, parents and grandparents that love the Lord and that love me and raised us in a wonderful environment, and I married into a wonderful family. Not everyone has that. My parents were around for uh, Friday and Saturday and had to go back, and I can tell just their love of being around their son, of being around their family. That is something that I grew up with. Not everyone here grew up with that. And you, you have a hard time grasping the thought that there is a God in heaven who can't wait to be with you. He wants to be with you. He's dying to be with you. You can't fathom that, can you? Again, realize that no other creature does he delight in like you. No other created thing did he send his son to die for so that he could have a relationship. No other created thing does he offer to spend eternity with. No one other than you. Note how it says there, right in the middle of that verse, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. Can you wrap your mind around this? Listen, long before God created the first blade of grass, long before he created the first ever rose, long before he hung the first star in its place, long before he made the first sunrise, God was thinking about you. Wow. Does that blow you away or is it just me? Then you know what? After God created mankind, He said, It is good. Listen, God was pleased when He created you. You may not think that you're worth much. Maybe you don't like how you look. Maybe all you see when you look in the mirror are your flaws and your defects. Maybe you've made a mess out of your life. And you don't see much good. Let me tell you what God sees. He sees a -a one-of-a-kind creation that He made. Someone special, someone beautiful, someone unique, someone that He longs to be with. You know, I've often said this, you know, whenever you find that special someone in your life, and not everybody has had that, but when you find that special someone in your life, that someone that you believe God wants you to marry, and we know what our feelings are like, um, it's you just want to be with that person. And, and to know that you think that person is the most important person on this earth to you, but what's even better than that is that they feel the same way about you. When you get that, that's an incredible bond. But you know what? That's the way it is with God. There is something within the long and the heart of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. They want to touch God. They want to know if there really is a God. God, if you're real, I want to know it. I want to touch you. There's something there. There's a craving. There's a desire deep within the heart of man to know that there's a God. But realize that God wants to be with you just as much and not so many times more. So many times more. I heard a story once about Hillary Clinton. Regardless of what your political views are, I heard a story about Hillary Clinton 
that growing up that she had a father that was very difficult to please. It seemed that no matter what she did, she could never please him. He would often say things when she was a child like, you're worthless. Can you imagine saying that to your child? You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. No matter what you do, you're always going to be the same girl that disappoints. Even when she began accomplishing great things in school, he never reached out to her. She could never do enough. She never knew what the love and acceptance of a father feels like. Maybe that's someone here today. You can't even begin to fathom a God, a heavenly Father who not only thinks you're special and great, but who longs to know you, longs to be with you, longs to love you. Name another religion, name another God like that. Only our God. But here's where we get back to our purpose. If God took such great delight and pleasure in creating you and me, Our number one purpose in life is to bring him pleasure and joy. Quickly, how do we do that? Just some ways that we bring pleasure and joy to God. The first one I'm going to go over with you today is worshiping him. It's by worshiping him. I preached a message several months ago along these lines, but um, worship can be defined as anything that we do that brings pleasure to God. Anything that we do that brings pleasure to God. And you know what brings, brings him more treasure? Pleasure. Treasure. Cheryl, your treasure. What brings him more pleasure is when we do it Monday through Saturday. Keep in mind, worship is not for you. I got your attention now. I need a whistle. Worship is not for you. It's for God. It's to bring pleasure to God. Worship involves those things that we do for God, born out of a realization of who He is and out of what He's done in our heart. Let me say that again. Worship involves those things that we do for God, born out of a realization of who He is and what He has done for you. Frida, Rochelle, the rest of you that give countless hours every month to Super Thursday, that's worship. You help set up or clean up after a church dinner, that's worship. You clean the house or the toilet so your wife have to. That's worship. I once counseled a couple getting married and there was, there was one thing that this uh, man said to his fiancée. He said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, but I will not make the bed. I don't know how many of you don't like to make the bed, but he said, I hate to make the bed. That's one thing that I won't do. You go making the bed in the, mor- in the morning, that's a form of worship because that's not something that you normally want to do. See, that brings pleasure to God whenever you do something selflessly. Got kind of quiet. Maybe there's a bunch of you who don't like to make your beds in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> going, here's a big one. Going to help someone move, even if it's on your day off, 
That's worship. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Don Weber, when you went out of your way to help be a pallbearer at someone's funeral because they needed help, that's worship. Some of you may be saying, "How? what about what we do on Sunday mornings? If you've ever said things like this, wow, I really didn't get a whole lot, a whole lot out of church today, or Pastor Brock's message really bored me, or did you hit some of those, hear some of those notes that Pastor Brock hit on the piano? Yikes. Or those songs, they just, they just didn't really fit my style. If you have found yourself saying these things, then you have the wrong concept of worship. Say amen or ouch. <laughs> Remember, worship is what you bring to God. We don't come to church to be pleased. We come to please God. It does not matter if the songs that we sing are hymns or choruses or new songs of today. What makes them effective are the hearts behind the worship. We don't come to spend time with our friends or socialize with our friends, although that is an offshoot of what happens. We come to give honor and praise to Jesus Christ. You don't have to turn there, but in the book of Isaiah, it's, it's called the, uh, the, the, the mini-Bible, that the first section of the Bible is like uh, uh, the Old Testament, the, or that book, and the second half of that book is like the New Testament. And at this time, the people of that day were just going through the motions. Israel was sinning. The nations around Israel was sinning. The entire earth was in a state of sin and disobedience to God. And here we see the Israelites, on the outside, they were doing all the right things. They were offering up their sacrifices right on time, every time. They were praying, they were seemingly praising God, but in reality, their lives were not measuring up. And all of this led God to say in Isaiah 29, 13, He said this, these, God said, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Listen, it comes down to this. I like this statement right here. Whatever has your heart will have your worship. Whatever has your heart will have your worship. I'm going to say something that, that, that's going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyways. I've heard people, my grandfather, who God saved him out of, out of a life of sin, when he got drastically right with God, you could not keep him out of church. You could not keep him out of the word. You could not keep him out of the things of God because God had his heart. Still love me? I read an article here. Listen to this. This is probably going to step on some toes, but I'm just on a roll, so why not? 
just use this as an example. When does sports as entertainment become sports idolatry? Consider this banner seen at Lambeau Field, that's of the Green Bay Packers. This banner seen at Lambeau Field in 1996, the season the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl in New Orleans, and their quarterback, Brett Favre, was named the most valuable player. This is the banner that they put up at the field. Our Favre, who art in Lambeau, hallowed be thy arm. The bowl will come, it will be won in New Orleans as it is in Lambeau. Give us this Sunday our weekly win and give us many touchdown passes, but do not let others pass against us. Lead us not into frustration, but deliver us to Bourbon Street. For thine is the MVP, the best of the NFL, and the glory of the cheeseheads now and forever. Go get them. We can laugh at that. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. But everyone has something in their life that they'll worship. It might not be sports. I don't know. But only your worship of God, a total and complete abandoned worship of God, will bring you fulfillment and joy in life. We've all heard the, uh, the verse Romans 12, 1. You don't have to turn there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable unto, unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sometimes it's need to look at different translations. The message says it this way. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. I, I, I didn't say there was anything wrong with watching football. I didn't say there's anything wrong with going hunting. I didn't say there's anything wrong with hunt, uh, shopping or whatever it is that you enjoy to do. But whatever that has your heart has your worship. This week, I encourage you, find ways, find new ways, find unique ways of worshiping God. What are some ways that you can please the heart of God? Do it for the one, the one who created you, and when you do, you'll begin to experience what you were made for. The first way that we can bring pleasure and joy to God is by worshiping Him. Secondly, and I will try to hasten here, have a relationship with God. Now that sounds so basic, doesn't it? But you know if you have a relationship with someone or not. Having a relationship with God, this is what God wants the most from you and me. A relationship. Not your talents, not your skills, not your money, not your houses. He wants you. As a matter of fact, God desperately wants to be your best friend. Yes, He wants to be Lord, He wants to be God, but He also wants to be your best friend. There's a lot of things that best friends do together, don't they? One of the first things that best friends do together is they have constant conversation. Constant conversation. I'm going to read something that I know is going to step on toes because it stepped on my toes. 
Jefferson Bethke, he is a uh, Christian author, speaker, speaks to a lot of the uh, youth groups. Um, he wrote an article, and, and let me just kind of surmise it. Um, it's, he said, it's sad today that it's normal for you to be at a restaurant with your friends and you start talking to the person across from you only to see that their head is down and their face is buried in their phone. <laughs> Say amen or else for that one. I have a feeling that some of you from the older generation, you kind of hate cell phones, don't you? Yeah, my father-in-law is not real crazy about them. He says this, quote, There is a quick strike of insecurity and disappointment that you just talk to thin air and not a person. I'm getting a lot of head shakes out there. Why? Because they were not in the present world, but they were in the digital one. One of the scariest things I don't think we think about enough is that we have a tiny little machine in our pockets at all times that gives us access to a limitless world unfettered access to anything, and that's exciting. But what if our devices are actually killing us? What if they are actually altering our very makeup and brain chemistry? So it wouldn't be a stretch to say they are changing our humanity. Something to think about. He says these distractions can even be hindering our ability to heal what is hurting on the inside. Quote, we never stop and pause because healing comes from vulnerability, from coming out of hiding, from taking off the mask, leaning into an awkwardness. And that just does not happen when we have our phones out. In a recent Pew study, they found that 82% of adults felt the way they used to use their, the way they used their phones in social settings was hurting their conversations. Jefferson Bethke says, what if the answer is simple? Just put down your phone. <laughs> we are now setting limits at our house. There is a certain time of day when the electronic devices go off. Set boundaries, make rules, leave it at home, turn it off at the dinner table. Take a day, a week where you fully turn it off. Some of you are gasping with that thought even as I said it. Next time you go somewhere, even though it's tempting, leave it at home. And you know what will happen. We will talk. Sometimes it's normal small talk, but sometimes it's deep in healing and connecting and incredibly life-giving. And then he said this, and that's what we were created for. I'll be honest with you, the last several weeks have just been nuts. I'm not sure why they've been nuts in our home. I like to try to have family devotions throughout the week, but man, it's been hard and uh, just life and probably electronic devices were just like you. And, and this past week, we specifically made the time to just turn everything off. And an hour later, we were talking and praying and reading the Bible. And an hour, we took up a whole hour just like that because we had no distractions. Why do I say all this? Church, we do this with God. And I think sometimes God wants to scream, just talk to me. 
Just talk to me. Spend time with me. Get rid of all the distractions and talk to me. You will not be fulfilled watching all the TV with your head stuck in the phone or by so filling up your schedule that you have no real time for me. God is saying, you want to be fulfilled? You want to be happy? Spend time with me in constant conversation. How else do best friends have a relationship? Constant meditation. Now listen to this. Some of you may take away this statement and take away nothing else, but I pray that it sticks. Someone once said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Right? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Some of you, I think, were born professional worriers. It just comes natural for you. My mom is one. Maybe it's a lot of mothers. A lot of mothers worry. But when you begin to think more and more about God, that brings pleasure to Him. A while ago, I got a text out of the blue from Jess down Kentucky, and she said, I love you. That brought me joy. Just to know that she was thinking about being in the middle of her day. When's the next, last time that you just stopped in the middle of your day and you said, God, I love you. What are some different ways that we can meditate? Carve out some time. Listen to worship music. Take a walk. Look at the stars. Just sit in silence before God. You, you have your own different ways. Just make it happen. Constant meditation. Meditating on the Word of God. I, I've often told people when people are like, I don't know how to have devotions. How, I mean, how do I do this? I mean, the, the Bible's so big, and, and I read you know, a chapter or two and nothing. You know what I'll do a lot of times? I'll just read two or three verses and I'm done. And I'll stop. And I'll ask God, God, what are you talking to me about? What are you feeding me with here? What are you trying to speak to me? And I can't get past two or three verses because he just begins to talk and talk. But I have to be quiet. I have to be still long enough. Amen or ouch? I have to be still long enough to allow God to do that. (laughs) This is how we bring pleasure and joy to God. I'm seeing this newlywed couple over here. And... uh, wonderful wedding they had not long ago and a couple or a week or two ago. One of the best things in a healthy marriage is communication. Communication. Constant communication, constant conversation, constant meditation. Number three, being faithful. Being faithful. I won't stay long on this. You know what I'm talking about. Being faithful in the good times is easy, but in the difficult times, not everyone can do that. But being faithful to Him, even when you can't feel, even when you can't sense His presence, brings a smile to the face of God. Greater Vision sings a song talking about Paul and Silas when they were in jail, when they were in prison. Uh, You know the story. They were found at midnight singing praises and psalms and hymns to God. And that's when things broke loose. That's when things took place. Listen, God wants to hear you sing. When the waves are crashing around you, when the fiery darts surround you. When the wisest man has spoken and said, your circumstances are hopeless as can be. 
That's when God wants to hear you speak. Faithful. My wife and I, this coming April, will be married 20 years. We've been through some difficult times. But I know when I look at her, faithful. That brings joy to me. Let's be faithful to God and bring Him pleasure and joy. And lastly, value what God values. Best friends seem to have everything in common. They have the same likes and dislikes, same taste, same styles, same preferences. Let me read this, 1 John 2. 1 John 2, let me get here. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. You want to please God, value what he values. Do what he does. Avoid the things that he avoids. Avoid the places where he would not go. And you know what? This will require you and I to submit to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will begin talking to us and say, Look, you want to be a best friend with God? Value what he values. And sometimes things in our life are going to have to change. That brings pleasure to God. You see, it's all about relationships. The Bible tells us that God does not want our sacrifices. He wants us. He doesn't want our offerings. He wants us. He's not as interested in having our talents and our abilities as much as He is interested in having us. You and I are here to bring joy and pleasure to God. You've heard the song, Something Beautiful, Something Good. I'm going to ask uh, Carrie and Mandy if they'll come up and we're going to sing that song in just a second. But some of you may not know the verse. Those of you who grew up in the church and around the Gaithers, you know the verse. But the verse says, If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams from the start. Maybe this is you. And the hopes for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But then my dreams turned to ashes, my castles all crumbled, my fortunes turned to loss. But then I wrapped them all up in the rags of my life and I laid them at the cross for something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. I end with just a few more thoughts. I once heard someone say this. Where you've been is nice for scrapbooks. But where you're going is what life is all about. Look, some of you here might be prisoners of your past. 
regrets that are affecting your present, which is then altering your future. And you can't possibly see a positive tomorrow. But I'm here to tell you, listen, that God never rebukes us for where we should have been years down the road, but he always meets you where you're at, right here, right now. He's always giving us the opportunity to come to him in order to change our future. You want to find purpose and be fulfilled? Stop asking what purpose is there for me in my life and start asking what purpose does God have for me. Stop living for yourself and start living for Him and this will bring joy and pleasure to God, the God who created you. Would you bow your heads, please? I thank you for your patience and we've had a lot going on in the service and I don't know about you, but I have felt the presence of God. I know that He's here, but we're not going to drag this out Maybe there's someone here that you're not, you're not experiencing that true purpose in your life. You realize that you've been living for yourself and you want to bring joy and pleasure to God. Father God, I thank you for your presence. God, could it be could it just be here that on this now beautiful sunny Sunday that you want to change someone's life? You want to take someone's life that they've kind of messed up, Lord. Lord, they want to start experiencing real life in you. Lord, if there's anyone here that is like that, they can find you today. The altars are open. Lord, help them not to go home without experiencing true life, true purpose. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking such great joy in creating us, God. Now, Lord, Lord, may it be our life's goal to bring you joy and pleasure. That's when we'll be fulfilled. That's when life lines up. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Just sing that beautiful little chorus with us this morning.